0: Today, we're talking with the excellent James Cortides, and it's a great conversation I really enjoyed. He's an emerging philosopher and orthodox thinker on YouTube, and there's a link to to his channel in the description as well.
1: Yeah, it happens all the time, and it's always after the fact, like, I should have recorded that earlier. Yeah, shit! (laughs) Once that record button, it, like, turns the gaze of the other on, and all of a sudden, it's like, what happens there? It's so weird. Um, there's nobody else here but you and I, right? Or even mm. making a, a, a video just into your camera in your room. There's something about the awareness that there's an observer there, the other, where mm. um, it could be curious. Yeah. Is it I fear th- of judgment? Is it fear of being seen? Fear of looking stupid? You know, it's, it's interesting.
0: Maybe it's even a uh, in Heideggerian sense of extended cognition. Maybe that is just mm-hmm. a recognition of this. Because it is, it's larger than you. The openness is larger than you. It goes into your, it goes into your house. It goes into your room, and it just there's something about it that knows. Though I understand exactly what you're saying, is it turns on a and you doesn't matter how much you say it to yourself with your modern will, your modernist sub subject will, say, oh no, I'm just in the room, but no, it knows. It's almost like it knows into the future. It knows as a well, it's a projection, isn't it? But it's not, Mm -hmm. it's not a projection of um, it's not a projection of your will. You're not saying it. It's just, it just knows.
1: Yeah. You know, you know, the- I like the notion of, of the mm-hmm. clearing there, right? Because the clearing expands from your local environment, your home to through the internet, right? You know, to the kind of, uh, you know, the globe in a sense. And it's it seems like it's a, a, a neurosis about uh, judging yourself from the future. I like that, right? Because mm-hmm. I don't like listening to myself or listening to old videos and I don't know why and I, I hear a lot of people say that it's like you're your biggest critic right mm. so it's like you know uh you're, you're definitely projecting this this feedback loop that uh you know it's it's just an interesting artifact of being human it's it's, it's kind of it's kind of weird it's weird to be a human isn't it mm <laughs> it's, weird just, uh, it's weird to be the it's, openness it's weird to be the yeah uh, it's a strange uh, uh, strange place we're in uh, mm. especially now
0: yes especially with it extending far beyond you as as it pulls you out of the village I even notice it. Like A lot of my work is trying to reground, try to see that you can still kind of see the patterns of, or build a village in a way, even if you're disconnected, you can still build an archipelago, an internet archipelago or a village. It is there Like you've got your local club and you've got these things isn't if you can just get people back into it or look for it in anthropology, sort of looking at anthropology, hang on, you know, you can build that old structure into things. You can build that, uh, you know, going, if, if you if you create the habitual world, it exists, and you enter everyone else's being, because you get separated from it, but you can re-participate consciously the more you understand it and go, okay, I'm going to go and build, I'm going to walk into these people's world in, by going to the pub and walking past the pub. I'm going to walk. I'm not going to take my car. I'm going to walk. I'm going to get off with the bus stop early and walk through whatever it is, a suburb. You can probably a bar. There's probably a a high street or something. I don't know where you live. There's probably something that has the local community. There still still is that uh, community element of it. But most of us go out. We've got this nuclear family idea, which I don't really like. You know, everyone's always promoting this idea of the nuclear family. Well, hang on. Mm -hmm. It's it's more than just the unit, isn't it? Mm -hmm. We lost the village. We've, we've that's what we've walked away from and we've become because people rely on that as the traditional thing but it really isn't the thing that really bound us together is that wider spirit that you know that uh that village and then outward even to the country the language yeah
1: yeah i i think that uh it's an interesting thing to bring up uh, the nuclear family right i think it's we've been stripped down to the most fundamental unit of collective organization, which is the family, right? We were previously more embedded in a, a landscape of meaning, the village uh, or even a nation, right? And then, you know, God, when people could actually believe in God and that meant something and their life was ordered and made better by this this understanding. But now, you know, belief in God has become, you know, ridiculed now for, for old, you know, folk, superstitious people. And, the belief in a nation now is, is fascist and uh, nationalist. We can't do that anymore. And towns are all just repeating. They're the same thing. Strip mall, at least here where I'm at, strip mall, just uh, no identity. right? So then you have the family unit, which is like the cell. It's like the last piece that you have of some sense of meaningful organization to surround yourself around. Um, and we see that the, there's a, an attack on the nuclear family now. Uh, you know, There's an attack on the nuclear family. This kind of came to me today when I was, was thinking through this video right? It's, it's attacking the nuclear family is like a, it's like splitting the nuclear atom, right? The energy that you're going to release, right? You've already, you've already extricated us from all of these uh, higher orders of, of organization and meaning making. Now you're going to try to do it at the familial level. Why, why, why is that happening? You know? And uh, I don't know where, um, where you're, you hail from, but I'm um, here in Florida right, in the United States and my family um for you know time immemorial was from greece my my parents moved here when um my, I thought my, my mom was pregnant yeah so that but i've never well, you're american like, but but go on well sorry. no I'm, i mean i i'm greek american right my fondest memories by far of childhood even currently is going back to greece to the village and being with friends and, and grandparents there my most cherished memories right and um you know, and it's 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 weird to think why we feel so uprooted and alienated. At least here in the United States, this is a good example, right? My ancestors have always been embedded within the context of of their family and their um, and their lineage, right? No matter if they're going through uh, persecution from the Turks or whatever it may be, right? We were from a place and a time with a structure and, and a past that was there to support this. It was a ground that we could at least, uh, we could sit on to deal with our problems of day to day. All of a sudden, my parents, you know, they had to, you know, people moved from Greece to the United States. They both didn't know the language, came here, started restaurants and the restaurant business, full cliche, right? And all of a sudden we're here, right? And we don't have that, at least that physical tie to any location. And the tie to the ancestry has been relegated to like 23andMe, you know? So I, I, I try to get stories from my grandma and pictures and just an understanding of what, where, where and where we came from. But I think a lot of part of the, the alienation at the heart of human subjectivity right now is from this uprootedness that is uh, you know, a result of globalization. And the answer, I think you hit on it, right, is about building new networks, building an arc, right, mm. to get us through this, yes. this period. We're in a liminal period. We're in between two worlds, two times, um, if anything.
0: And I think with that ark idea, because I spoke to um, Jonathan about this, it's not—it's more than just that. Uh, there's room in the ark for other things other than animals, and those other things are hyper agencies, and one of them is the hyper agency of Greece, the hyper agency mm-hmm. of England, and that, which I call the King Spirit, the hyper agency of these, this this geist, which is has been denied, but there's room in there, as we know. That in the if you look at an English village, you can see on the outside of the village is the the Green Man. So the geist of it go, goes all the way up to the church and even inside, at least in England anyway. So that is part of the arc. It's not just um, you know I think we need that. We yearn for our particularity. It's not just uh, I'm Christian, um, but we also yearn for the particular. Well, we're this people. Because Christianity is universal. We're this people. This is what we are. You're that. We're this. And there's nothing wrong with that. It's sort of plural. It's a pluralistic sort of thing. And it's like that's that species of openness. That's that species. Um, and that's a good thing. And so I think that that arc building those arcs for those things are are, are good because it's part of our being. And as you mentioned, it's in the ancestry, right? As Heidegger talks about, that's in, even if you can't, even if it's not explicit, that's in the historicity. That's there in your having been. That's still there. Even if you don't know, even if you don't know, even if you're unaware of the ancestor, I'm not talking about genetics, I'm talking about just in the openness, let's say. Even if you're unaware of it, it's influencing your possibilities, especially if you ground yourself authentically it helps you more if you can understand it and look into it and then ground it as as you probably did when you went to Greece is that probably a lot of things for you solidified just the way you are the way you act you know because I I read this uh, this is metaphysical but I read Heidegger's um, sojourns to Greece and that grounded Mm -hmm. all his entire metaphysical theory he talks about it specifically That he went to Delos, he went to these different places, and it became clear how the contrast of everything gelled with metaphysics. How ah, that's how that god emerged in terms of okay, here's the temple of Poseidon. Ah, wow, we can see why that god has this attributes because of the scale of things that the actual earth formed the world that is the openness, at least the, how he sees it as that. And so the actual world or the earth actually is part of our being as well in that way, and so that would still be in you uh, from your descent from the temple. You know, it forms your particularity for your You know, the, the closer you investigate it, the, the more and more I look into it, the more that that's true um, to me. And I do think I like what you said about America. Yes, I think that's a big problem with uh, uh, and in Australia and New Zealand as well and Canada. Is this tendency to unground things, and it's the same everywhere, though it's in, you're happening in Europe too. But especially when it's something like America, because you're also American, which means you're also English, because mm-hmm. that's the common culture, as Anton Scalia said. It's it's he's like, hey, I'm Italian, I'm you know the Supreme Court justice, right? I'm gonna am mm-hmm. I'm gonna I'm just American is the next guy, and then he says, I went but, but I went to Europe. And these, uh, he said, I went to Europe and I studied in Switzerland and they kept saying, oh, these Anglo-Saxon culture. And I was saying, oh, well, we're America, We're not that. And then he went to England and said, oh, hang on a minute. And he said, I felt at home. I felt at home. And this is an mm-hmm. Italian-American, right? At- which I don't like the double-barreled thing anyway. Uh, but but mm-hmm. he, he, this is, and he goes there. So what does that mean? It's sort of like you going to Greece. Perhaps if you went to England, you'd even feel the same thing right? Because you are that yeah. too. And so that's part of the, the work I do as well, is to, okay, if we are looking into this folk tradition, it should ground all, uh, it does, in fact, too. It should ground, it has an effect on our current behaviors, and it grounds them when you and analyze them deeply enough to see their procedural information, their procedural knowledge that's in them, with our current behaviors. But even the locations too, man. It's There's something there that's in your current being that's connected to that. And like you were talking about with modernism, some of that is, is it's a lot of that, and the East, Eastern monks have talked about this too when they saw Westerners, is that a lot of that is kind of probably mental illness. Even just our modernistic behavior that we think isn't mental illness may kind of be mental illness. You know, the the obsession with with competitive, individualistic, the one will, right? This idea of the, because that is in a way, kind of cartesian this uh especially even talking about the nation in terms of a will because that's individual right when Mm -hmm. it is more of a wider thing it's about the possibilities that unfold it it is a being but it's not that's why rousseau was such an idiot well not an idiot he was was a smart guy but anyway i just i explored a lot of things there
1: (laughs) (laughs) but let's let's, uh double double click on rousseau a bit right because uh he meant well let's say yeah i don't know um, and the whole idea there, I think we the things that we are seeing manifest in our world today are fundamentally rooted in Rousseau and and this idea that man is free, um, you know, everywhere, man is free, but is everywhere in chains. The idea is that we're born free, and it's the society, structure, hierarchy that binds us in chains. right? And uh, that's why it's it's those that are looking to, um, you know, bring off bring forth the revolution again are saying, they don't have a positive vision for what can manifest. They say that we'll build the plane as we break it down, right? Because the oppressive structure is so ingrained into the system that we just need to destroy it at all costs. And at the bottom of that system is where we'll find out how we build the new, in a sense. Uh, and it's, it's a pernicious pernicious idea um, that I think is, is has, has taken root. Um, and with regards to the particularity that you were talking about, I, I agree um, with pretty much everything you said there. But it's a double-edged sword and it's a fraught landscape because we have the same, I think that being from a place is is absolutely, uh, is a meaningful thing. You have people that from a mountainous region, their personality, their culture is a little different. If people are, you know, from a seafaring people, they have a different m- mentality, right? You can see how the geology, you know, uh, affects the, um, you know, the next strata up, right? It, it, it's kind of logical too. It makes sense. Right. So if you look at it from that perspective, then from the folks on the, the hyper left, the woke folks that say that, you know, the colonial powers, the European powers that came to the U.S., they uprooted the people that were here. Right. So those people that had a connection to the ground, that had a connection to nature, that had a connection that went who knows how far back, right, have been uprooted and have been dispersed. And there's been a sort of invasion of another type of uh, Type of people from elsewhere, in a sense, right? That's not wrong, right? I mean, they're not. That's not like that happens, but that happens all the time, right? So, you know, it's it's interesting to uh, I think that, like Pragio talks about, or when we talk about um, you can't get rid of religion, right? If you try to get rid of it explicitly, it comes back in all of these weird, monstrous ways. I think it's the same thing with what we're talking about in terms of identity, particularity, and place, right? These are fundamental structures of being that we inhabit. And um, if we don't, if we get rid of that through globalization or whatever global utopia, techno utopia, we're, we're trying to uh, it's trying to emerge here. You're always going to come back to this idea that we are a people rooted in a place in a time. Right. And that's, I think we're in a, we're in a fraught territory here. So what do we do? What do, we're here? Right. We're, we're mixed up. Globalization has happened. There's no, you know, taking the pee out of the ocean at this point. Right. So we're here, we're mixed with each other. You know, America is an experiment um, where we're trying to figure out how to live amongst uh, multiple hyper agencies. Right. So if you have uh, there's America, there's Greeks here, there's English here, Italians, whatever, what have you. Right. Um, So Dugan takes the idea of of Dasein, Heidegger's idea of Dasein, and he ties it to a civilization and as such. So he calls it the logos of a civilization or the Dasein of a civilization right? So there's a hyper agent that's tied to each civilization, right? Now we find ourselves in terms of globalism mixed up uh, in different areas. Either we're living integrated more with each other or we're more ghettoized, but there's this clash of of the logi of civilizations. The way I like to think of it, it's the clash of the titans, right? It's the, 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 it's the clash of the gods that is, is manifesting itself once again is re-emerging because if there's a hyper agent tied to a people, with the history in a place and now that all of these um these hyper agents are moving together let's say in america and that's the melting pot but what we're experiencing is is the war of the gods it's spiritual warfare that's fought through people Mm. and it's uh it's it's it gets tricky you know it gets tricky
0: i think that yeah i know what you mean i i think (laughs) that um also with these hyper agencies i find a lot of the traditional ones the ones that are old sort of the way I see it with the English one is that it's it's been resting dormant and waiting because it's been it's been ignored since a lot of that has been ignored since scient scientism yet it's still there and it's potent because it's in care it's in the value hierarchy it's in us it's in you so it's almost like the tentacles of like an underground tunnel network that's just waiting and hasn't been been brought back up brought back online also we didn't have the even well look i think we did have the language to talk about this in uh you know the church fathers and such they knew what daemons were not you know in the 1600s it was it was john Mm -hmm. d knew what these things were but since then it's become this oh they don't exist but so i do think they influence us i think the positive ones that are powerful and great for us under christ under christ (laughs) for uh need to be brought back on you know brought not brought back online because you they're much more powerful than you because i don't mean it in the sense of it's more complicated than just a principality it's not simply principality when i sit when you say city it's well yes we all know what a city is yes it has its own geist but Mm -hmm. this this older stuff thousand years old it's based on our greatest heroes kingsbury robin hood this 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 Mm -hmm. stuff Right, King Arthur. These these are different. They're more mythological gods in a way, and they've been they're they're there. Like I said, they're under the underground networks there. So they're almost like potential energy. It's like an unfolded reserve. Like I've been mm-hmm. doing a lot of philosophizing about this. Is that okay? Well, that's what an implicit spirit is, isn't it? It's infolded waiting. It's okay. Can that influence us? How much is that influencing us? Just because we don't have a word for it. The devil can still it not this is not the devil at all because under christ but the devil can still influence you without you knowing his name can't he so okay there is some effect there but its potential is great now what you as to what you were saying you were saying yes we're all split up my first reply which might sound a bit spicy which is us going to these other nations is well look we had wars they lost Mm -hmm. It's as simple as that. In France, England lost the territory in France, and that's now France, and they are are all French. America, I'm sorry, those Indian nations lost the war. So it's only our Christian sympathy that gets us to pay the money or whatever that is. So I know this is spicy, but that's the truth. Lost a war. Mm -hmm. And that's what happens. Happens in Europe, and that's now France. So... If we were more chad about this if this was back in rome whatever it'd be like no you're roman now you're english now so but the truth of it is though the dom. like when i look at america my view is that everyone if i went to a place i i, I the melting pot i don't buy i just think that the founding fathers all that these were englishmen i think that that's what people should be the reason why it's confusing is because people it was as necessary to propagandize and say ah we're not this we're American okay because we're, we we fought a war against this the, the the British but the truth of the matter is what's more interesting about the founding fathers is who they were rather than the propositions that are sort of uh, uh French and revolutionary and, and all that it's their patterns of action or English and so that's fundamental if you want to keep the laws and the place of what it is and then and what you love then you need to understand the procedures that make someone who those founding fathers were Because you're also American. You're born in America, I assume, right? Mm -hmm. You're American, which means you're English. And yes, you're Greek as well. But still, you know, you're probably more English than you realize. You're probably more that than you are Greek. You know, it's hard for people to see that. But so my view is, I don't know, there's probably no saving the bacon anyway. So it's all sort of, we're playing fantasy football where you have football players, you know, in a way. But mm-hmm. really, if, if America w- would understand that better and ground themselves in that, it should ground all the sense of identity. It's like, oh, this is where we came from. Make a pilgrimage to England. Make a pilgrimage. They used to do this. They used to make a pilgrimage. There's a book called Americans' uh, Pilgrimage to England, which has all the locations where all the people came from. And you can see their way of being. It's in George Washington. Mm-hmm. Ah, that's where he came from. The North he came from. Uh... uh he came from uh uh yeah i think it's a durham i did a video about this i can't remember exactly where it was but it's in the north and you can see that in his way of being how he is and how he's not a lofty proposition he's not a lofty philosopher like jefferson but he's sort of a farmer he's a simple guy but yeah as as a as a, i want to go into too much detail about that but just as a reply to what you were saying yeah it's, if i would ground it in that really because And even like when you look at Quebec, when I see Pajot, I think, well, that's a Frenchman, isn't it? (laughs) (laughs) He even says he's not Canadian, right? Okay. Mm -hmm. Maybe Quebec should be its own nation, just in the sense that, I mean, look, but it's hard, isn't it? Because I look at, I'm just thinking about your point as the globalists and things, okay, we're all living together. Well, that needs to stop. If we can just stop that and just have a really, (laughs) is that going to happen though? I don't know. If immigration Mm-mm. just going to be a lot slower, <laughs> it's not going to happen, is
1: it? <laughs> no, it's going to it's going the other way, right? Nah. It might, might. It makes me think of the Tower of Babel, right? Where, uh, you know, this it, this um, attempt, as well uh, meaning as it is, of multiculturalism and this mixture and this melting pot. And I agree with your with your orientation towards the melting pot. It is really a t- type of Tower of Babel we're, we're trying to bring to bring a kind of a utopia uh, on Earth, right? Things will just work out if everybody. If every country had a McDonald's in it, it's actually a theory, the McDonald's theory that if there's the golden arches in a country, they will not go to war with another country with golden arches in it. That's the idea, right? That that we're now the the fundamental bonds that tie us together is capitalism and, and consumerism and late stage capitalism. And that's why it's so, so there's beautiful, wonderful critiques of, of capitalism, but it's enough already. We've critiqued the hell out of it and it's, you're right, there's a lot of problems here. Right, So what is it that binds us if, you know, if it's not a place and a time? Um, so I, I want to ask you um, a couple of things. You, you mentioned the mythos. Um, Dugan again talks about, I don't, I don't know if I want to mention him because people have all their uh, baggage. Now. <laughs> yeah, what I mean when I say him, I'm talking about the philosopher completely. Yes. Yeah. Like he's, you know, um, and I'm not, you know, against anything else, but I'm just saying the guy's a profound philosopher, probably one of the greatest living philosophers alive. I would say bar none. Um, he's written so many deep books on Heidegger, and you know he writes specifically on this topic of the Dasein of civilization, the logos of civilization. He's wrote multiple books on each particular civilization. He has the logos of uh, of um, of America, the logos of Russia. He goes through all of these these uh, deep uh, dives into. Using a Heideggerian perspective, uh, if to the logos of these different logi of these different civilizations, another idea that he has is this transpositional nature of mythos and logos. Right, mythos is not some superstitious thing that's irrelevant anymore. Uh, right, so when we have something like science comes into the fold, or we're more uh, technically minded, you know, the mythos goes into the background. Right, but it's always being transposed back and forth. Right, the objective logos world and the mythos world are are constantly kind of working through each other that's why we see these old structures re-emerging in, in different ways in a sense um so in, in that vein what what does it mean when you say that um we're english what do you mean by english let's say you know i'm english and i agree with you with from where you're coming from but i'd like to kn- know what you mean when you say that
0: well i think okay in your your pattern of behavior you're in your under the propositional I mean, mm-hmm. in your in your way, your openness is. You're not purely that. There's other things that are, but fundamentally, yes, the common culture is that. But it has been more degraded. But things where we all have that modernism now. But yes, I mean that. I mean in that. I mean, thing with the Heideggerian. To, really, that is kind of okay. Well, it does deal with sort of perspectival knowing, but it. I mean the procedural knowledge. I mean your your patterns of behavior. I mean your. I don't mean genetics at all. I mean culture. I mean our, our politics,
1: for sure. Our political. Yeah, um, that's imaginations.
0: Even, even that's kind of, even that's kind of, uh, kind of propositional in a way, isn't it? It's become that mm-hmm. in the sense that. But okay, well look, there's some there's some signs. One's common law, right? Mm-hmm. That's that show. That's only in America, in in the Anglosphere countries, does this. What common law is really is, at its base level, it's become not this. It's a moral. It's a moral impulsion. It's a fundamentally that's what the care is. Care is that value hierarchy, even if it gets covered over by semblance. And and I believe that most, a lot of America, half of America anyway, has been covered over by a propositional demon, which sort of. Mm-hmm uh disturbs care disturbs what's underneath but um common law is that it's it's there was a Moses in every culture that, but it comes from a moral impulsion right and so what common law really is is that it's it's a it's a procedure for rendering that which is an unwritten law between us all about how we are to behave with each other Mm-hmm. And so that's different to Roman law that Roman law is from on high that's okay. this is the regulator Rex Rex says mm-hmm. this is what it is, and you do it. whereas this is sort of it's kind of represented in the in the um in the old English word kinning, which is king King means kinning as in as in son of the kin, really mm-hmm. and that moral impulsion is kind of the son of the kin it comes out of it comes out of the Uh, shared being with comes out of the uh uh the unwritten way of being the unwritten rules and laws between all of us and then it's rendered into a proposition by this and then that is generalized out to and so that ends up being now yes it's been corrupted because the people have uh are possessed by a proposition and they 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 build a crappy precedent on a bad you know because they want to corrupt the precedent, right but in terms of when you mm-hmm. go all the way back though that's what I mean it's underneath it's underneath and uh, those things haven't yet gone away haven't yet gone away so I would say but you know it takes a few generations to assimilate into mm-hmm. plus because there hasn't been great effort to have that assimilations so not every, you have these ghettos, right? You have communities that haven't, that don't fully assimilate into American American culture or into into this. Uh, and because there has been this separation, has been this idea of everyone saying, no, we're this. But is it that much different? Not really. Um, I also, with Dugan, I, I'm slightly suspicious of Dugan when it comes to England because I know he really hates... <laughs> I even notice on his New Machia, you know, New Machia, War of the Mind, mm-hmm. is that he attributes a logos to everyone but England. <laughs> it's mm-hmm. the, chap, the chapter headings, I haven't read the chapter because it's in Russian, but the chapter mm-hmm. headings, log, French logos, this logos, ah. And I think that's, look, I know, I, I, you know, he's a, he's a philosopher, a great philosopher and all that. I don't dispute that. But I I think he does definitely have a bias when it comes to that, ah, they're the empiricists, they're this, they're just the non-Logos, they're the, Mm -hmm. you know, I haven't read the chapter on it, but I know what it's going to say. But I, you know, I, I'm the greatest resistance to that neoliberalism comes from England itself, even though Mm. there are neoliberals in England, like naturally our spirit is actually more traditional and conservative Mm -hmm. and think about it. We still have a king even though it's been corrupted or whatnot by this, by the parasite, that sort of neoliberal parasite in modernism. All these other places don't, though. So what does that mean? It means that in this people, they have this this potential that's, that's been waiting. So, um,
1: I mean, in England, I mean, the English was the most successful and benevolent empire in the history of, of the world, right? It had its problems, right? We hyper-focus on the problems of colonialism or whatever it may be, but um, where, and the problems of slavery, right? That's a very uh, up-to-date kind of issue at hand, right? But I, today at work, I was was talking with some friends and bringing up um, the idea of slavery and, and they're on the left hardcore. And I said, where did slavery end? Like, what do you mean? Well, slavery is just the way the world has been forever, right? The Greeks were enslaved to the Turks for 400 years, just until 1830, right? Should I have animus towards my Turkish brothers and sisters now? Maybe. I don't, though. I don't think so. Right. So the question is, where did slavery come to an end, at least on the global scale? Right. England and the United States.
0: Mm -hmm. Right. Hundred percent, And
1: that's true, right? Yes. It was actually the the
0: real the real thing. A a lot of these European countries said, oh, we're ending slavery in law. But we paid for it in the sense that the Royal Navy ended slavery. That's who particularly Mm -hmm. did it by blowing up all the boats. would try slavery right and that's not even the payments that were only just paid off in 2016 mind you which was paid for just to buy back all the slaves from the people and to 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 fix all that part of it so there was another debt that was paid whatever and and people forget on the point of slavery is that uh all the africans were they were the slave slavers they were the people bloody selling them and enslaving mm-hmm. each other, and then selling them off to the Arabs and to all these different people, right? And people mm-hmm. forget it was the that way was white slavery then. was yeah,
1: it was the <laughs> currency of the world, yeah, forever. You know, so uh, so why is um you know this the attack is uh, is on this the English American kind of uh, founding documents and founding fathers now because of slavery? When it's this weird thing, right? Because slavery ended in these cultures, and at the same time, these cultures are looked at as being the uh, colonial cultures that are displacing and uprooting, you know, the world in, in its entirety is expanding and, and, and using up all of the resources, you know, to feed up upwards to the rich. And that's where the the capitalism piece comes in. Um, and um, where, where does this, where does this come from this, this hyper critique? Uh, and I think it has to do, I guess the similar question is where does this parasite, where does this corruption came right? The most benevolent empire in history, of the world that we know of, where does this corruption come from that ultimately gets to the heart of every institution, whether it's religious or or, or cultural or political, whatever it may be? what, what in, do you think uh, socialism, communism, will that corruption at the heart of at the at the center of the human heart will go away? Like where is this? What's the origins well, of this?
0: I mean, I call it the scapegoat parasite, the scapegoater, sort of Gyradian know Mm -hmm. because that fundamentally that's just from thinking about it a lot i thought that's what this fundamentally is that's why it is the devil (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) because it's yeah it's all it's just blaming when you look at it deeper down it's not communism it's not this it's not that deep deeper deeper deep oh what what are they doing it's a scapegoating it's a non-taking of your own responsibility it's not bearing the cross it's ah it's you're to blame you're Mm -hmm. to blame Right, It's a railing against the world. It's the scapegoat. It's scapegoat parasite. Everything that's about that, right? And that's why it wins so easily because it Mm -hmm. just goes from person to person. And that's all communism is. That's what Lenin did. Mm -hmm. He went around and scapegoat and and rose up this resentment and are there to blame, right? And so the Mm -hmm. devil, the devil got to them. That's what that's that's fundamentally what's underneath it, right? And think about it. If you're watching skeptical that it's the devil, <laughs> think about it. Think it down to its bottom. Ah, oh, what is this fundamentally? It's the scapegoater It's the scapegoating of something, fundamentally of, of the person onto something else, and that's where it breeds the resentment, and that's the thing that's taken advantage of. And I suppose the people that um, the people that perpetuate whatever these things are, it's that's will to power that's a that's a so they'll use any type of resentment they can to try take power of whatever and you know of course that's in the interest of some elites i suppose to perpetuate certain conflicts but i don't think there's any top-down conspiracy other than that wider davos you know so they'll 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 spur on certain certain uh conflicts but that's always good. they were always going to be there anyway um but fundamentally it's this it's the scapegoat i think Well, what do you think what's what do you think about your own question
1: yeah i i um I, I would agree and i think i bring up uh, words like the devil and demons and and diabolical especially because the you know the root word and it gets to the point what do you mean by the devil do you mean a cartoon with uh, a red horned figure with a scary look on its face that scares kids well, that is a manifestation of what we're talking about here but that's there's this fundamental energy, uh, right? That's demonic and that is diabolical, right? Diabolical is the inverse of symbol, symbolic. Symbolic means to come together, to throw together, to bring together, to unite sin, which means to unite and voli, which means to throw. So symbolism is to throw together, right? It's to unify, right? And on this unification, an identity manifests itself, right? But I, uh, something I've just been thinking about, there's also an identity that manifests through disunity, And the inverse of symbolic is diabolic, right? So to throw together, right, to bind is symbolic, but to tear apart is diabolic. But there's also an identity component that's tied into diabolic because when you have this scapegoat mechanism, which I agree with you, right, is at the heart of things, right, that scapegoat is a mob phenomenon. That scapegoating is a mob phenomenon, and no matter how artificial or temporary it is, it it binds a people together. If they can point to say that is the cause of all of our problems. And if we destroy that, then we'll be, we'll be good. And a lot of times the history has shown you that it is the case. A lot of scapegoats were, were murdered and then were deified because after the murder of the scapegoat, there was a sense semblance of peace that came on the, the culture and the, and the people for a period of time, right? But Gerard's whole point is that scapegoating process has been short circuited by Christ. Right, Christ showed that the scapegoat was innocent, which leaves us in a strange place now because we see these scapegoating mechanisms happening, you know, fractally everywhere. But they can never bring this this peace back, uh, right? So it's just this escalating, this continued escalation of scapegoating, right? And I think Donald Trump is the is a meta scapegoat, uh, and he's being used, and it's such a it's such a technical thing for the the technocrats to use to fit people against each other. And I agree with you. I don't think the origin comes from the, the mind of these technocrats, right? They are, um, they're thirsty for power. And I don't mean it consciously like, oh, if I do this, then I'm gonna have more power. It's just the way the world works is people tend to accumulate power and unconsciously, especially it's even worse if they think they're doing good. It's even worse, you know, the W World Economic Forum 2030 initiatives. It's better if it would be top down and it's better if it would be like an organized plot to take over the world, because then you could say, oh, those are the people that are doing it. We just take them out and we're good to go. But this energy, this demonic influence is here and it, it, oh, it's always here. And the best thing, uh, you might know who's, who had this quote the best thing the devil ever did was um, make people not believe in him, like to make it a rid- ridiculous thing when people talk about it. Right. So, hey, whenever we get to this point and this discussion and conversations, uh, my, my question is like: Is there hope uh, at this level? that there would be a, a, a unification in this world, right? Because scripture tells us what ultimately happens in the end, right? It, it, what the scapegoating mechanism has been short-circuited. We are moving towards hyper-scapegoating, uh, continued division, along with technologies that could destroy us all you know, pretty rapidly and quickly. I don't know what, where to have purchase in terms of hope when you look at it from a collective level. I can do it with my family. I can do it with my network of people that I relate to, right. That I, that I have relationships with. I understand how to do it locally and to build community. And I think that's important. We need to continue to do that. But then when I look in the screen or I think about it from a collective level, I don't know where the, um, where the, the hope is in that. And if there should be hope in that. So I I don't know if you could, if that makes sense.
0: Yeah, I know. I know what you're saying. Um, I think with that is i've thought about this a lot lately too it's the difference between the the black pill and the white pill right which you probably know what those things are Mm -hmm. and um i thought i know what you mean and maybe it doesn't at the least there's going to be an arc at the least there's going to be an arc so you might as well build it under the presumption that whatever it is is possible not politically to say, oh, let's retake the country. That could be possible, because possibility builds upon itself anyway, right? Who knows what the arc is exactly going to look like? It may be an arc that's not the whole implosion of the whole thing, and then we are all we have no money at all and China invades, and then there's this tiny little nestle of corn that's Christianity that's left or whatever, or English culture, whatever it is. It might be quicker than that. It might be smaller than that. Um, but even so... I know it looks apocalyptic with it, with technology and everything, but I just think you build it anyway, and you work towards it, and build a robust parallel thing, parallel economy, whatever it is, as best mm-hmm. you can, and see what happens, right? I, yeah. I, I don't know. Because you can't use... This is the sort of calculated thinking, isn't it? This idea that, okay, if we just um, add everything together that we currently are, it seems like it's impossible to... To fix the problems, to to be in a situation where we're not in endless division and tearing apartness of all community into the individual unit of a mentally ill subject, which which was never ever a human being anyway, the individual on his own.
1: Well, I think, like you said, the individual has never been the, the fundamental unit. Just bringing Rousseau back, right? Rousseau said we are born born free and everywhere in chains we are not born free we are born absolutely helpless and need the help of our parents and our local environment to to live let alone thrive for 18 years or t- however long it is right so we are fundamentally not individuals we're you know we're just not you know give birth to an infant and let it how long is it going to live if nobody circles it surrounds it and supports it right not very long right I think it's the same thing um, with what we're kind of seeing here, right? We need that support structure. We need community, right? We need unity and community, and we need something to to kind of to bind us together in a sense. And we've seen it, like you were just saying, we've seen it it kind of uh, fling off at all all levels, right? From the belief in God to a belief in a nation, to a belief in a philosophy, to now belief in science. You can't even believe in science anymore because the scientism, the scientific method is like, oh that, that's the method's not corrupt, but it ultimately the same corruption, the revolution, the renaissance that happened that looked at the corruption in the Catholic church and in the political institutions, the same thing that the, the, the left has critiqued to death and has done a great job in a lot, in a lot of ways critiquing this, this parasite, right? The parasite has become the left. Like they, I was, Previously, I was on the left for most of my life because I like the idea of looking at the power structure, looking at the hierarchy and saying, hey, look, there's corruption, right? And, and holding uh, those in power to account, in a sense, right? These are the things that that I, I was drawn to, but things have inverted now, where the very parasite that has been critiqued—late stage capitalism, colonial, whatever it may be—like that that has become the parasite now. Right? So it's like, you know, what do we do now? Right? Right? So I think that's why we go back to, and I think that's why it's happening naturally and organically. You're looking, what does it mean to be English? Let's go mm. back to the stories of yes. of what made English great, and then let's go. You know, back to Aristotle and back to Plato, and let's go back to um, these philosophers that were fundamental to the the founding of the West, because the West has lost its identity. And uh, you know, identity politics, not everybody can be proud of being from anywhere except what the West, right? And there are problems there, right? and And uh, it's hard to even understand, and and I agree with your critique of Dugan. He has, he has harsh words. He's taken them back recently about the West and, and uh, the collective West. And my question is, I guess a question that just emerged here is, what, what do we mean by the West, right? So we have right now in Ukraine, uh, we have Russia against the collective West. That's the idea. Where is the where is sovereign, where does sovereignty lie, lie now in the West? This where is, is great, sovereignty?
0: This is a great question in terms of the West. That where What is it? What is the distinction actually... Should it be a distinction? Shouldn't it? Should it not be? I and we'll exp, we can exp, we'll go into this because it's something I've been thinking about lately as well. And we'll go into into some things that we could say. Okay, where where's the dividing line? Where does it end? And and you can break that down and be a bit of a de- deconstructionist in that way and say, okay, for me, I think more helpful. It's it's the, go with the languages. That's sort of what's compelling about Dugan in the fact that he's gone and said, okay, here's the French logo, the logos. Here's the French sign here's the French this and the sorry the German this and that because when you ask that question okay the first thing you say you might think okay Christianity well, okay, what about Eastern Christianity and you go okay well what about Egypt? Egypt was Christian e- what about Christians in Egypt right uh, they were very close to Greece closer than England is to Greece yes and then okay then you might say well, well okay metaphysics. Latin. okay, yes. So the elites, the elites, the the monks, they all spoke Latin. That's pretty much in Western Europe, but still it's in Russia, too, isn't it? Mm -hmm. So if that's the West, so that it's usually the distinctions are that. It's metaphysics. But then you say, well, Syria had metaphysics. Egypt has still Christian. They had metaphysics as well. They were closer to Greece. Mm -hmm. Um, But then you might say, well, okay. They've been taken over by Islam, so perhaps you can't really call them West anymore. Well, well mm-hmm. okay, still monotheistic. What about Lithuania? Lithuania was pagan up until the 1600s, right? That's Western. So, mm-hmm. but the bi- the, the keyest, the biggest one is Russia, really, because Turkey's been taken over by Muslims as well, but Russia hasn't, and that's not considered the West. So, mm-hmm. would it not be better to say, well, no, okay, English civilization, French civilization. You know how helpful is it? Because I think the term originally was invented the West, not occidental, but the West was invented in an American university in 1920. The West, mm-hmm. so, and I think it probably leads to a bit of delusion too, because we go, okay, yes, we're very similar, but it is different, and and the, the, there's a bit of a, a, a delusion in the idea post World War II, because a lot of our way flooded in, not not our way, but we wrote the Germans Constitution <laughs> you know mm-hmm. so the, the neoliberal and I don't think we're fundamentally neoliberal like I have said already I think we're more traditional in the English way of being I think that comes from protest- continental Protestantism I don't believe the Anglican Church fundamentally is Protestant I think it's an alter Imperium it's a, really it's a mm-hmm. Catholic Church if Rome is different from the Eastern Orthodox Church it's the same for anglican church even though I understand liberalism's completely corrupted the anglican church right <laughs> I've been attending a bloody orthodox church for Christ's sake so I've <laughs> baptized into it but oh, yes. uh uh point is um it's confusing with the West because again the writing of the constitutions of these places there's a lot of these countries tried to take on a kind of they looked at the laws and system that Eastern Europeans are we'll try have a constitutional monarchy well it doesn't work right because you're not English <laughs> you 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 need to you need that you need to really have it in your being because what would happen is, it works because it's the head of the church. It works because it has this history. They tried it; it didn't work. All these Eastern European countries. Roger Scruton talks about this, is mm-hmm. that the post-Soviet Union they tried that and it sort of failed. This, and you can see the Continentals are different, and they have all these minor parties uh, that call, that uh, form. Uh, what do you call it, coalitions, rather than two-party system? And oh, obviously the two-party mm-hmm. system's all broken anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, um, but yeah, so that's, that's, that's where I've been going on that question. So metaphysics, occ- occidentalism is, I suppose it's really down to that. But what about everything underneath that? Because even philosophers have a bias for propositional, the propositional. What about the procedures, the patterns of action or in the procedural? What about the perspectival? I haven't read much Dugan, but he I imagine he probably goes into that with the logos of Sibele and the logos mm-hmm. of I imagine they are a kind of non-propositional logi. Is that the idea that the logos of uh, Dionysus is a kind of uh, action, a logos of action or, or poetry? I, I've read read the chapters on that. Is that uh, accurate? Yeah. What, what are those well, logos?
1: Yeah, you could think of it as so we have uh, the logos of Apollo right? Which is the logos of the sun of meaning of uh, the Apollonian gods. And you have the logos of Sibylle, which he didn't have a theory of the logos of Sibley. It emerged. He was really exploring the logos of Dionysus and the logos of Apollo, right? And then in exploring these civilizations, he found this third logos, which was the logos of Sibley, which was the black logos, right? And when he says the logos of Dionysus, um he even he attaches a, a philosopher to each logos to kind of make to explicate it so the logos of apollo is is plato right the ideals the form right the heavenly forms right the logos of of um of dionysus is aristotle right and what does aristotle do aristotle synthesizes the i the the ideals the um the ideal of plato right with the practical nature of things so I think it's like a Christ figure or the mediator He mediates between the light and the dark logos specifically is, is darkness. It is chaos, pure chaos disorder. Um, but it's potential as well. It's, you know, so there's this, this interplay and he sees these three structures in every civilization he's ever looked at. He said, he's got a lot to say about this, these different African civilizations that he's looked at, but he hasn't, you know, at least she haven't seen any writings on that. Um, but there is it's there's this tripartite fundamental structure to every civilization and every culture, and it's a mixture between these three logi, right And uh, it's it's uh it, it's fascinating. Um, you know, and and you know he critiques the West, he critiques the West as as being this ultimate uh inaugurator of this type of thinking, empiricism, uh behavioralism, propositionalism, where it's like these things are great. In their particular place, if they're in the, appropriately in the hierarchy, but once they become focused on, then they become the idol to worship. Right? That's when we we have the problem. Right? And he says that the it's the very antichrist that it's going to emerge through the opening in the West. Right? And, and it's emerging right now through the idea of this, this techno utopian. It's it's working through the elites in a sense. So when we talk about the question of what it, what is the West? Right? Who is it that's making the decisions? Because right? there's a decision that's being made and it's coordinated. Amongst Canada, the United States, England, you know, um, Australia, New Zealand, right? Who is making that decision? And I, I don't know the the answer to that, um, but it's, um, you know, it's, it's 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 a strange thing because there's no way you're to point to where the corruption is. But if you had a king and the king became corrupt, people would usurp and overthrow the king. We're in a situation now where we have him. a exactly. Yeah. Well, now we have a Medusa. Now we have this this yes. uh, this um, um, what's the word I'm looking for? This Hydra, where uh, it's just everything's ambiguous, and uh, now that we we're living in a post-truth world, at least from the major media perspective, and this is something that I wanted to double-click a bit with your background here, um, we're living in this post-truth world where we can't make heads or tails of things. Where, you know, for something like the coronavirus, right, there would be all these uh, scientific, uh, these articles published, published in previously trusted scientific journals that would be at odds with each other. And whatever your particular position was, you could find very valid scientific reasoning and and conclusions that you could share with your friends in stupid text threads. Oh, look at this! Ivermectin works. Like, no, no, it doesn't. Here's my. So we're living in this weird kind of post-truth world, and I think that's where the critique of, you know, the antichrist uh, will come in, right? Because the truth can never go away; it can be twisted, and and it's being twisted. And, and it's being amplified by our technologies. And there are people that understand how these technologies work, right? And especially the psychotechnology of advertising and propaganda, mm. right? And I know you, you you had a background working in advertising, right? Mm-hmm. So how, how did that appear to you? Were you aware of this type of, uh, you know, the, um, um, what was Freud's uh, nephew, uh, Bernays, right? Uh, Bernays brought you know modern propaganda to the United States mm. from Austria, and we actually we actually had the the Department of War. He changed it to the Department of Defense. Right, this whole you know Orwellian uh, double speak, in a sense, coupled with uh, digital media technologies and the psychotechnology of propaganda, uh, and and propagating of ideas and how that works. Did you experience that? What was that like in, in terms of working in the the field that you emerged out of? The advertising agency. If you can reverse engineer them for the good, I think that's part of a way of a collective solution that I'm trying. That's what filmmaking is
0: when it's done. That's what filmmaking is when it's um, done for its own sake. That's when it's done for. Well, this is the nature of propaganda this is a great question the nature of what is art what is propaganda but on the first thing you're talking about you're talking about uh, america uh, being america and us being blamed for the sort of technocracy and whatnot mm-hmm. i mean look as heidegger talked about this is why i don't like dugan the way he talks about it. Is because it was embedded in metaphysics the techne was always going to end up here and what's who's to say that wouldn't have happened in russia even if later on on its own they had metaphysics too so mm-hmm. that's just the first thing on that but in terms of um Okay, so that was coming anyway. You can't blame um, England for the Industrial Revolution. Okay, oh, that's where that's modernism is them. Well, hang on. Again, metaphysics. If it's embedded in metaphysics and in Cartesian dualism, that radical subject. And it's coming in France anyway. It's coming it was coming anyway. So mm-hmm. but as to yes avatar. what's the difference between advertising? What's the difference between that? Okay. Well look, a propaganda propaganda is a closing downness on it's enslaving the audience to your the idea that you want them to have it's a it's like when tolkien talks about the difference between allegory in a way an allegory is kind of propaganda a pure allegory because it's no you just have to you just you you don't bring it into your openness it doesn't open a open being open a true because that's what art ultimately does is it's a work set up it's truth put to work so a painting whatever it is truth truth as in raw being as in fundamental ground of, of 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 what this artist or poet has seen in the primordial logos has seen it gather and then has brought it into the secondary logos the words which should bring you which is the work which basically has that that truth in it which is so that and that the logos let's say in a poem that is the <clears throat> that is the the truth put into the work. That is the work or the words. And so when you read them again and really try to get behind them, behind those things, that's where the art is. That's where the demigod is. And so you think about a film, it's the same thing. That's why it helps to even think about a painting in terms of art like a film, because, sorry, thinking about it, it's like a spring. It's like the art has a spring in it, which is the work. And, and instead of like equipment, when you use equipment, it becomes invisible. You don't mm-hmm. see it, it's utilitarian. But this type of work, when you look at it, it presents itself, it unfolds to you, and that's, that's opening to you. Uh, for the audience, again, thinking about a film, think about it, temporally, over time, you watch it, don't you? You watch it, it opens something to you over time. So it's work, is opening a world to you over time, which is this truth or primordial thing that the artist originally had. Now, if it's, if it's true, if it's a, not propaganda, if it's not uh, Woke Lord of the Rings, then those true, that true way of being that's in it will work for the person. Will work for the person when they imitate it, let's say if it's a story. When they imitate mm-hmm. it, it will because it, it's, it's got real true being in it, right? Also, it has a higher fidelity. Truth has higher fidelity because those, that way of being, let's say, say I have take a, a, an unfolded English way of being and put that into a film. That's connected to the openness, that's connected to, to what other Englishmen have in their openness, right? So that means that it has a higher fidelity to, to, to integrate and grab you. That's why so many people were compelled by Peterson. He built an mm-hmm. empirical bridge and he used a story and connected stuff that was, they were confused propositionally, but it was in their procedural, procedural knowing. It was in their way of being and so once those two things were connected, same thing with a film, a film shows you a perspective. If it's connected with that thing, it should grab you more, that's why it's compelling. So when people watch some of my videos, I break down Robin Hood and do that, right? Unpack it and compare it to their way of being. And they see that, their confusion about what they've been told they are, propositionally, is, is the semblance is removed, the, the, this truth, and that has a higher fidelity. So propaganda does the opposite. It's 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 putting you into this one thing. You do... that. Th- this is exactly what it means. It's not connected... Well, it may... It might... It's, it's an in order to, isn't it? Mm-hmm. It's a procedure yeah. for their outcome. So the whole work is a thing set up in order to you think this. It's so the whole yeah, thing. Yeah, instrumental. Yes, yes, the whole instrumental. thing. Yeah. The whole thing's instrumental. I think the notion of
1: of um, uh idea of addiction being reciprocal closing, mm. right? And the overcoming of addiction is a reciprocal opening. That's what came to mind when you were talking about, and I think it's it's right on, uh, propaganda it delimits your, your your free will, we have freedom. And what delimits that freedom, which constrains it in a way, um, you know, a negative way, in a sense, not even a negative way. I don't know what the word I was looking for there, but it's a reciprocal closing of possibility. Mm. And a lot of the the media that we consume now is shows us all the things to be fearful of, mm. you know, constantly, and not in a way that rouses bravery and courage out of you. Is it a way that re- that rouses more anxiety so you can buy the pill, the pills that are sold to you during commercials? Like it's mm. this this weird feedback loop. And I think that something like watching TV or films is 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 a profound spiritual thing that we have no idea what it is. Right. Yes. I Think when you're you're sitting there at looking at a screen for hours at a time, right? You've suspended your disbelief. You've opened up your consciousness and these images just come in and evoke emotions. And these emotions are just as almost as real as being involved in the situation. And you invest your care and your concern in these characters that pull you in and they drag you in, right? So it's a spiritual experience. And I think that's why it's important to uh, to look at it as such, right? Mm-hmm. And we focus on the, the, uh, the hyper negativity of propaganda and, and social media and these digital... Technologies that are, are, are that are um, dissolving our bounds, but I think what, what you're doing and how you're explaining it reminds me of kind of uh, John um, uh, Jonathan Peugeot's idea of of symbolism, right? Mm-hmm. You, you know, if you have to start talking about symbolism, we're, there's a problem in the world, right? Mm-hmm. Just like if you have to start talking about the features that make Robin Hood meaningful, right? We're, we're at an impasse here, right? Mm-hmm. So it's like uh, you know, it's 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 a challenging thing but um i i didn't mean to, to cut you off there no, cuz no, you were no. you're going to go on some some great places there and so if you watch game of thrones uh, you said lord of the rings but game of thrones the uh the new one have you seen any of those episodes yes and it's, it's i point this out all the time my wife kind of gets annoyed that all of these stories that capture us are fundamental biblical stories All mm. right. and this story the one that i see played out more than any is the story of cain and abel and the story of the new game of thrones is you have the The noble king who has power he doesn't really want power and you have the brother who's this evil brother who's chopping up people in the city in the first episode so there's this fundamental tension tension that's posed between brothers between cain and abel and that's why the show brings you in because it's Mm -hmm. it's hitting on a fundamental structure of of our reality you know and i think uh, uh, again what peterson's doing he's pointing to that to that happening right so there's a there's a fundamental structure there is a logos there there is a truth there and movies and film and art that really pull you in mm. are manifesting that spiritually. So I mm. uh, thank you for, for sharing it like that, because I think that, that kind of made a lot of sense to me there. Um, but sorry, I, go ahead.
0: I, I often, I know what you mean in terms of, uh, I've had this uh, recently, because I've cut myself off a lot from news. I've done, always done mm-hmm. that. I've cut myself off from social media. I, I remember I deleted it a long time ago. I remember when the transgender thing first happened. Um, I didn't even know about it for a year, because I cut off internet and so all of a sudden i saw it just appear overnight i thought what the hell happened anyway that i digress Um, yeah uh yeah so I, i know that the feeling that you mean when you talk about that i was sitting and watching netflix uh and i just whatever it was and i thought and you start getting drawn into a story and i thought hang on i shouldn't care about these people i shouldn't care I shouldn't be watching these people. I shouldn't be. We shouldn't be so much involved in the lives of people that we don't know. We should. It's just fundamentally, it's okay for it. Fundamental. It's why it's so disgusting where we are. It's just so <laughs> disgusting. We should be. We should be telling each other stories. We should mm-hmm. be telling. I should be telling you the story of Robin Hood. And we should be at a campfire. We were never meant to be have it decentralized and have it sent to us by on high by some uh uh pantheon of degenerates mm-hmm. <laughs> right we 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 and but think about when you you get this insight when you when you dip, pull yourself off of it i know that sounds maybe that sounds trivial well, well hang on but we it's we're in the model of the world but when you disconnect yourself for a bit a bit you think cuz you feel you, when you notice when you okay when you look at your own being enough when you read into enough philosophy and you start looking at your 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 monitoring. if you meditate and you pray and you, you're paying attention to things that draw you 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 pay attention to things that you're being pulled aren't you you'd be pulled by the different things <coughs> and so you notice and you're watching something and you're being i'm pulled into this i shouldn't care about this i shouldn't see this pretty woman right i should be the pretty woman on the street it should be the you know, it's just, I shouldn't, we shouldn't, our care shouldn't be involved in that. Our care shouldn't be involved in someone that's so far away, even someone else's culture. I shouldn't care about that. I shouldn't know about that. In a way, when it's just really far away, it's just, the, I get it, curiosity, but isn't that just idle curiosity? Isn't that the Heideggerian, oh, what's this thing's interesting? It's not a deep dwelling, yeah, opening man, art. Man.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's what it really yeah.
0: fundamentally is, where we are possessed by the 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 tyranny of of the they we always have the the they of course but the tyranny of it it's become so much more what it is is it's it's more powerful in its ability to 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 draw our attention but i just had that feeling when you when you mentioned that i remembered that feeling that i felt that that we just shouldn't i shouldn't care i shouldn't be drawn Shouldn't even be watching this person that's worship isn't it in a way mm-hmm. a good movie's fine i mean i often said is that uh, it'd be great if we didn't even know who these actors were we shouldn't know who they are it should be a different one it should be you know it shouldn't know it should be irrelevant it should just be a story but yeah fundamentally mm-hmm. <laughs> when you do a bit of th- theater and the theater emerged in, in england right it was the it was the communities of people they would have the local parish would buy a play and it was a robin hood play and that's how Robin Hood emerged as a mythos hero. And then the, the, the villages, in every local village, would act it out on May Day. They would embody the procedures. Right? This is kind mm-hmm. of like what Viveki talked about. Uh, what is it? That uh, larping thing, the role-playing thing. But this is it in terms of its fundamental, you know, village life. Is they're quite literally being this hero, enacting their way of life and seeing how they. And they're not even thinking about it. This is just a it's just a thing they're doing, yet it would affect them mm-hmm. and it affects their way of being and it transforms how they act their life They're in that liminal space when they are. And because it started as the king, it started as the king and then Robin Hood emerged and then he became the main character of these. And this was every village across England that were doing this, right? In mm-hmm. this records of the parish plays that they paid for them. The church would pay for them. Um, point is, though, they're participating in it. We're not participating in it anymore. And that's, and that's the thing about the fundamental sort of anthropology, looking into it. You can still do this, and you should go to your local bar, especially if you're a, so a man who isn't, uh, doesn't have to, well, even a family man can. Um, but you have a dive bar in America. That still exists. You, it's where you banter. You talk shit, tell stories. We shouldn't be a unit going back to watch Netflix. Mm-hmm. We should be at least go out, form a community bubble, at least go to the pub or a club where you talk banter with guys and you sit at the bar and do that that's what a pub is in England a pub is in Australia mm-hmm. a pub is in New Zealand um because that's where we tell stories we're supposed to do that we're not supposed to have a beam to us from on high and yeah i just really it's just what came to me from um, anyway yeah throw that back now i to
1: that I, I, it's a strange <clears> phenomenon just to piggyback a little bit on that like the people that i'm closest to and that i've known the longest when we get together in the pub again what do we do initially we cut on each other we start jabbing at each other you, you know it's something that's important to do and it's, it's from the outside or from a, maybe a, a women's perspective, it's like, what are you guys doing? You guys are like cutting on each other, but no, we're close. Like you make inappropriate jokes to each other, mm. right? It's something, it's a strange thing of how 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 um, people that you care about, that's why the PC culture is so disintegrating because it it doesn't allow that for happen into the workplace. But now even in our places of, of relating to people at the bar or whatnot, uh, these things become unconscious. And instead of playing out, making jokes inappropriate or not it, they become repressed and it actually leads to violence because you can't let it out you know mm. we're 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 a, a people that imitate we're a very mem- we're mimetic species right mm. constantly and if that mimetic uh process doesn't have an outlet into humor uh, then it becomes pent up and it turns into into violence in a sense and uh i couldn't think of a um a better i saw this show on netflix again uh it was I think it was on netflix it was about woodstock 99 remember that mm. so they tried to recreate the initial the original woodstock which happened in 1969 and they did it in uh 1999 and if you want to see the phenomenology of an egregore if you want to see how mass hypnosis psychosis works in the most gross way in the most fundamental way watch that documentary mm. and watch this the crowd of people you know you had the biggest rock stars, rock stars in the world there right at that time, Rolling Stones, Limp Bizkit, like whatever it was, is this huge thing. And they tried to recreate this peace and love that emerged in the 1960s with regards to Woodstock, they did it in a completely corporate way where profit became the main motive, mm-hmm. right? And they stripped, there was 250,000 people that was on an Air Force base, and they stripped them of all the food and even water that they had before they came onto the campsite. And they had these vendors there and the vendors were independent contractors so they could tr- charge whatever they wanted for food. So back in 1999, they were charging crazy amounts for bottled water—four, seven, eleven dollars, right—and and it was completely mismanaged, and the anger started penting up in people, right? And then you had the the rock groups. Corn was there, started playing and moving the crowd, and you actually can see the outline of the egregore in the crowd. Really? It's the most, the craziest thing. You see the waves from the mm. from the rock stars, and and you could see them—they move as one. And yes. somebody in the documentary mentioned, he's like, "I saw something that just defies the laws of physics. Mm. I saw a group group of a thousand people move as one organism." Yes. He actually said it like that. I'm like, "Oh my yes. lord!" You know, uh, so that's that's a a really poignant way to to observe this this phenomenon of, of the Ego War, right? But, and,
0: it, but, can I just drop a drop an example? Oh, please, in, please, And please. I don't yeah. want to just to, to, on on what you said. Um, i don't like the, I'm, I'm gonna stop using the word aggregor because i think mm-hmm. it's it's own demon only right so i'll just say hyper agency mm-hmm. and at the liverpool football club back in the 70s they the same thing would happen if you look at the really old videos in 1920s and they would sing this song is that you'll never walk alone and they're at their game and the way they move is the same the way they move it's mm-hmm. like a being it's a being it's really strange and they killed it they killed a beautiful positive egregore which is this, you'll never walk alone. We're bound together in this community. Um, and that's what football is supposed to be. It's supposed to be that uh, that uh, localism, that local mm-hmm. uh, with their geist. And the point is, it was the same thing, as you can observe it. Then they started to standardize it. So it's almost the opposite of what you're talking about with the corporatism created this, this demon. And this one killed off a positive one by... They standardize it. They, they play the song, You'll Never Walk Alone, at the, the match. No, mm-hmm. they sing it themselves. They nominated that song as their song and they sung mm-hmm. it. And the, at the opportune moment when it just came to this being, this distributed cognition of the whole thing, they'd sing that, You'll Never Walk Alone. And it was this thing. And it's really moving, man. When you see it, it's just moving. There's this whole being this massive being singing you'll never walk alone it's you know that's this that's this, that's that's uh that's robin Hoodish in a way it's the merry mm-hmm. Men all together but yeah but go up you can go back on what you were talking about i just want to insert a positive hyper agency in there because these are the things that protect us from the negative ones is these yeah you know that are under christ but they still we need them as well but get back to you on your that's a great example
1: uh, no i think i think i'm gonna actually um kind of you know, what came up for me there right is, is back to this uh, the clash of the titans and the apollonian gods the god the, the gods of apollo and the gods of uh, of the titans right the old pagan prior to indo-european culture gods which have been put under wraps from the christianization of the world right but now as christianity recedes and it is receding right we're seeing the reemergence of these pagan influences through collective hyper agencies and i just had a picture of my mind in my mind of the idea is that um we are spiritual warfare is fought through humans right mm. so these hyper agents the apollonians ones that are embodying the the we will knock alone we will not walk alone right versus this these disintegrated so it's like these hyper agents are warring with each other there's a war re-emerging in the heavens mm. but it's fought through human bodies mm. so i think that's where the, the idea of uh we don't fight against flesh and blood we're fighting against powers and principalities it's absolutely correct it's mm. absolutely right and it's important to not scapegoat someone or a group of people by understanding this is important mm. i think that it's not the flesh and the blood the person that we're fighting right it's the idea that's captured them mm. right look what happened in the nazi germany is another great example of a of a hyper demon and egregore right you see you see hitler making these speeches and the people are, are transfixed mm. right mm. so this is a psychotechnology a collective psychotechnology and i think it's something we need to reorient and 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 um reverse engineer through the digital media technologies that yes. are yes. at hand here now. And that, that's, I, I don't know, I keep coming back to that, yeah.
0: And I think that um, uh, people listening is that heaven's real, it exists right now, and the ancients understood that that heaven was world, it was, heaven is is it's spirit. It's You can call it, if you're a materialist and you're watching, mind, it's, it's, mm-hmm. But it's, uh, but it's also under the surface. It's in world existential analysis, well, uh, Heidegger terminology, world is, it's patterns that you see. It's ontological. It's outside mm-hmm. of what you might be present to you because there are things happening that aren't present to you. That's present at hand is what you're looking at currently. That's mm-hmm. all, that is heaven. That's where Jesus is. That's, that's all, that's, that's this. Mm-hmm. The other point I want to make is I thought a lot about this too, is that some of these pagan gods are fine if they were, they were integrated under mm-hmm. christ right odin's okay because you need a warrior right the under christ though right if you watch the northman you know a lot of pagans love this uh, and that's fine I, I i uh you know i don't want to be too anti i know pagan but because it is part of us right plato's pagan all these people are pagan they're part of it it is part of our the, these values. These values they are part of those hyper agencies, right? These justice, all these things existed. they the The, the main new value in Christianity is that it's a before giving, um, and all the other values that are related to that. But yeah, I just wanted to say that that those things are still there. They don't go away because it's only been a thousand years, right? So we need to understand that. But you don't want to live like the Northman. If you look at the Northman, the movie, that guy is 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 i don't know if you've seen it have you seen the North man <clears throat> shows watching. you what it's like yeah it's worth watching just as a good uh, you know a good movie but it shows you what it's like when you don't when you're in an endless cycle of vengeance that's mm-hmm. how everyone will be living their life if there's no because what <laughs> what's fundamental to the west being also being is the Christian element of you can let go of these things because you have you're forgiven You can't just be in this endless cycle of sorry it gets you away from it's like when really it's that eye for an eye thing it's that cycle of vengeance and that's what your life's gonna be like right if you Mm -hmm. have that those values are great in terms of of martiality martial will that are part of the nor the European if they have above them forgiveness if they have above them these things right and so I just wanted to say that uh, you know i know there's probably some pagans that watch this channel but um well, it's
1: not the pag- pagans are you know the structure of the cosmos right and they are you know important played a wonderful role for the logos to eventually manifest itself in the world right without the pagans you know the pagans had the logos run through them just as the the hindus did just as the um the um, native americans right the logos before it he was made flesh in in christ right christ embodied the pattern for us to see right the pattern we had to infer through our wisdom traditions and through lao tzu and through all these wonderful more propositional type of figures right but christ came and here's the pattern that manifested itself from heaven in the flesh and he showed you imitate me and it will stop the cycle of endless vengeance and scapegoating yes. if you imitate anybody else anyone else right it, ultimately you can imitate whoever, right you can it's, definitely it's not shoot him to make ultimately. certain
0: situations but yeah ultimately, yeah. but if you, you
1: if you're not appropriately oriented towards christ and i know that that sounds like exclusionary right if you're not probably oriented to the highest ideal then you're going to make what you're imitating an idol and you're going to develop a rivalry between the people that are imitating yes. each other and that rivalry if it's collective and intense enough will lead to destruction right christ said hey follow me Right. And, and uh, imitate me. And this was, I think, Gerard's point. And in doing so, uh, you will you know, you don't fix your gaze to the crowd because you'll be pulled in. Right. Think of that in terms of digital digital media. Right. We're constantly fixed, you know, collectively. I mean, me and you, but, but me and you to, to an extent, yeah, one right? we're is, fixed on the television, is. the news. Right. This constant diet of of disinformation of hyperinformation without knowledge or wisdom right we pay a lot of attention to what we put in our belly right the the, the nutrients that we take in into our belly through the food that we eat. we want to eat right you want to eat the right food you don't want to eat like crap you'll feel like crap you'll gain weight we don't it's the same as above so below the same thing we do when we take in images right we're taking images into our nervous system and that's informing us it's like we eat food into our gastrointestinal system, and it's informing our bodies. We need to be more mindful, more aware of the power of images mm. to become idols. They almost always do. Um, so it's it's uh, and and it's interesting the the very those that critiqued this endless cycle of vengeance, of vengeance that they saw in in um, in institutions, political, religious, or whatnot, mm. right? Uh, all this corruption. They are now talking about it they're now enacting endless cycles of vengeance with Mm. you know uh, struggle sessions and all this stuff that happens that we see from these cultural revolutions that happen in china now that's happening in america as well it is the very thing that is being critiqued has now emerged as the organizing principle Mm. uh, and it's almost impossible to articulate this to someone well-meaning person good Mm. person good heart i have this friends and family members but they're taken over by this mind virus. They're taken over by this, mm-hmm. this, these images that are so ingrained. It's, it's, it's very hard to get, to kind of get through to them. Um, yeah. And you know, I, myself, we're all in some kind of, uh, some kind of trance, right? We're all in some kind of hypnosis, right? More to more, to more or less extent. Right. So I, I don't know uh, exactly where I was going with that, but I just, no, just, uh, no, just a comment on that. Um, yeah, it's, it's, yeah.
0: it's, On that idea of trance i suppose that's where world comes in as soon as you walk into god's being when you walk well you know it's hard to break it down into to see raw being to get into you know when you walk out of your 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 house and you go you see the world certain times of night or whatever okay you do get grounded by that don't you so of course that always helps but in terms of what you're talking about the yes the trouble with it is, the, why it's so, the reason why it's so dangerous is this damn thing, this propositional parasite. Its tendrils go into our actually useful care, useful value hierarchy, and they gain mm-hmm. them. Let's say if I rendered it as a, into a proposition, an Englishman must always overcome tyranny. Let's just say that's a propositional description of a behavioral tendency of, okay, so when you're tyrannized, it's, it's in our nature to do that. So let's say this proposition, what it does is, you could think about that like St. George or Thor. Thor's underneath St. George, you know. Uh, <clears throat> this propositional demon renders things purposely as false dragons, as false tyrannies. So it games this for the regular folk. That's why it's so deceptive. Like you said, it's so complicated and so dangerous because mm-hmm. it's able to do that. And that's one thing it does is games are positive values because these values are, they're not rational. They are... They respond to a certain pattern of behavior you can think of them like uh, they're also cycles too if you have a cycle of behavior you know for instance brexit that's a, cy- a cycle happens a robin hood emerges nigel farage whatever you see him do that he fights he's fighting a a a over a, a, a tyrannical state he unifies with the king that's why people get got behind it because they saw it. it's a cycle mm-hmm. it's in the care it's in care it's noticed by care so that's what it does it goes the propositional Demon does that particular one, I think, in, in uh, it's why it's, I think one of the reasons why it's particularly powerful in English speaking countries, that because it games it as a tyranny and makes it a fake tyranny. So how do you do that? I've seen some Christian people these days, I think maybe you have maybe talked about this once or twice, is preparing Christians and saying, these are the values they're going to make it look like. They're going to make it look like charity. They're going to make it look like this. Don't be drawn in. By them faking your value by them faking mm-hmm. this thing that will draw you this image this cycle because that's what they do right so mm-hmm. it's a sort of preparation isn't it and that's a psycho technology in itself it's a, okay it's a response and we have to exact don't we we have to use the new we have to use the things to combat these things but that being said though we, i think we do need to remain deeply traditional that's why i like you orthodox guys right it's no it's a, yes exact but keep this core cool thing what it is because if you stop this bloody Protestantism, no, 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 bad. Stop with that, <laughs> right? You zap the yeah. technology, do this. But the core cool thing—that is so much more powerful. It evolved over time and emerged. Was 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 emerged in the environment? It emerged, Well, you well, you'd be top down. So probably I shouldn't say emerge. But the traditions themselves, right? They're thousands of years old. They're so much more smarter than we are. This, you know this it's this thing is you're one person. It was so arrogant think that mm-hmm. we know also I just make a brief point about freedom. This, that's another completely misunderstood thing because of how we've rendered into propositions and the confusing even the way the founding fathers talked about it. It's Freedom is the absence of tyranny. That's it Right. Mm-hmm. You want constraints. We want constraints like you talked about earlier is that we emerge in this thing We're thrown into the world you're, aligned, you're part of this wider organism. Though those constraints, most of them are, right? It's ordered. It's an ordered. You, you create an ordered situation. It's what England just did so well, just naturally. It's what common law is. An ordered situation where you're enabled by those constraints, as, as uh-huh. you know, in using the vacu terminology. They're enabling constraints. Um, so this idea of ultimate freedom is so dumb. It's like liberty, French, to do what I want. No, you don't get to do what you want right? And I don't even think Americans don't like kings. They love a president to step in, like a Chad, and go this is wrong, Mm -hmm. right? That's what. (laughs) It's just bullshit. It's just, they've made, because it was necessary in the Revolutionary War to sort of propagandize and say, oh, the king, the evil, even though it was never really the king that was doing it, it was the elites in the parliament. Even so, point Mm -hmm. is, a benevolent king is a good thing. And Americans like a benevolent king, you know, at least the Americans that are still American, (laughs) that haven't been totally possessed. But yeah, I, mm-hmm. yeah, maybe you might want to respond to to that or else, yeah.
1: Good. Yeah, that's a it's the right word too, I think possessed and um I think that your term there propositional demon is what Heidegger's talking about like the phenomenology of this propositional demon is in framing. Mm-hmm. It is is it is turning the world into standing reserve. It is instrumentalizing all resources towards a goal that is not really clear like uh, to us, right? It looks like Or the accumulation of capital into the hands of a very few but i think it's 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 kind of deeper than that and the thing that i like i like about uh, orthodoxy right i fell away from the church i used to go as a child with my grandma all the time about 12 13 years old i stopped going uh and i didn't return until about five years ago so it's a long kind of uh you know a long time coming to come back to it um but i like the idea when you say the tradition right what do we mean by tradition it's not in old people with old ideas, right? A tradition is is a living thing. And we call Orthodox the patristic synthesis of, of of now and the future is the living tradition. The tradition can come up against anything, and because it is the truth, it is real, right? It can it can mold the world to its structure in a sense, right? And I think that's why I think that it's important to distinct that the tradition does not mean just going to homestead and getting a bunch of chickens and a bunch of land that's what tradition is that is a manifestation of tradition it's a it's a it's a caricature but it's not a it's a character of tradition Mm -hmm. right but tradition tradition is 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 bringing these values these ideas these virtues the good the true and the beautiful to meet any circumstance that comes about so the tradition needs to be alive living vital and active in the world and i think that is a that is a marker of hope that that it gives Mm -hmm. me right because the truth cannot be distinguished it is like a light right and no matter how much wax or how much you know, wax accumulates around that flame, it never burns out. Mm. And what we're witnessing, I think, is the is the increase in the intensity of the light, mm. right? And, and in doing so, the wax, which is the very structure of our institutions, right, is being melted. And we're focused on the melting pieces flying everywhere. i like, look, at this is terrible. Look at all this wax that's melting off everywhere. But there's also a light shining through what's being dissolved. Right. And, and, and to focus on that light and you can feel it in conversation, you can feel it in relationship. You can feel it at work. You can feel it come through from time to time. Right. And there's other times where it's, it's more dark and and kind of a hopeless, anxious, anxious, ridden, angst ridden kind of environment, but then you see the light come through again. So we're seeing this manifestation of darkness and light because we're in a, a time of, of change. Um, you know, and I think that it's important to double click again on your, uh, your concept uh, that you brought up here of freedom, right? Freedom to do what? Like we want to be free to do what, right? And it's uh, the value of freedom constrained by responsibility is elucidated beautifully by a podcaster and and former Navy SEAL, Jocko Willink. He's got a book, it's entitled Discipline Equals Freedom. Discipline Equals Freedom, that sounds like a paradox. What do you mean discipline equals freedom? When we look at the ascetic practices of the church, right? to be free, is to subordinate yourself to Christ. Ah, like see, I knew you guys were fascist. You're talking about subordinate yourself. Not subordinate yourself to someone's interpretation of Christ, not subordinate yourself to the institution, which there's there's a role for that, but you need to subordinate yourself to to Christ, to the mystery, right? It's the first commandment, right? Thou shalt have no other gods than me. Right? Is that a jealous God? No, is it so that means if you don't orient yourself, you don't plug in yourself, plug yourself into the infinite, right? Whatever you you uh invest your care in which happens automatically right will eventually lead to destruction and disintegration so the thing is to be free is to be aesthetically be wedded to christ um and then you will be free right but if you're not not my own my own life dealing with addiction and issues throughout my entire life like to be free when if people are free if we just everybody gets enough uh financial resources and everybody's going to be happy and and, uh, you know, when the machines take over, uh, everybody's going to get their universal basic income and everybody's going to be thriving and happy. No, they're not like, you know, the phenomenon in America, when the people win the lottery, there's a high number of people that win their lottery. Right. Millions of dollars. And they they're they're destroyed. Their life is destroyed right? because mm-hmm. they don't have the they don't have the spiritual infrastructure. They don't have the the wherewithal, the bandwidth to manage all of these resources now. Right. You give an addict. A uh, hundred thousand dollars, you'll be dead in a week, right? So the good intention of hey, we need to help these people; they're they're poor, which, which is noble, right? And In doing so, you take away their right to suffer and 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 overcome and persevere mm-hmm. their sin, right? Their particular cross to bear. If you just give them a handout, right, that has been forced from the top, right? That's why I think this idea of of uh, I'm a little bit all over the place here. This idea no, of no, equity, yeah. this idea of equity, right? It's a mm-hmm. noble thing to have a society where equity emerges organically from the people, right? Mm-hmm. But to install equity from the top down is demonic. It's, it is mm-hmm. the root of tyranny. Because to say that uh, we need to be equal outcomes for all people, mm-hmm. you're gonna have to pull down the people that are doing well, mm-hmm. right? Not just pull up people that aren't doing well, but pull down the people so you stop, ha- you stop giving grades. They stop now in California having uh, advanced courses in school Right, and the idea is, oh, we just need to make things more equitable. So, we'll... the people at the top, right? If it's done appropriately, of the competence hierarchy, are the beacons of hope that people can imitate appropriately and move up, and there pull the society out of its out of its uh, its dross mm-hmm. in a sense. And that is an organic, wonderful thing. That is the very essence of of overcoming suffering. Uh, we're trying nobly to say uh, we need just to distribute resources and give people financial wealth, and then they're going to be Uh, thrive and have well-being that is not the case like it's just you know more freedom to eat uh, more mcdonald's more freedom to get the new iphone more freedom to get the new car more freedom to get the boat the bigger boat than your neighbor has until he gets the bigger boat and then boom that rivalry goes so you have all these rich people in the united states that are completely miserable Hmm. people see it people see it they know it but they still that the the, the mimetic pull is so strong we see these movie stars on tv that i got everything the woman the wife Mm. The car, the status, everything the society tells you is the is the thing to get, and they kill themselves. Mm. They destroy their lives. Mm. People see it, but we still are forced. We're still in that pull of imitating uh, the wrong people, in a yes. sense. Um, so I don't know what the solution is.
0: <laughs> yeah. Well, look, I do think what C.S. Lewis said: this is in absence of a king, to to imitate that you'll Im- imitate uh, prostitutes billionaires and porn stars so the some types of billionaire are okay to imitate of course but because it is selected by capital the king has a function the king especially a symbolic king is that all these things the obe the 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 award system the honors those things are the king's duty from out of the narrative order is that he is above the state and he and he a, it's a spirit too it's a geist and he needs to the, the mortal needs to imitate the geist needs to imitate this spirit which is in us too this mortal the spirit is to go down and lift up that which is being uh, you know the state or the machine is is attacking and say this is the this the ideal because it's in the spirit right because it's in the mind the body which is let's say us the body needs to with possessed by the the appropriate hyper agency to lift up this thing to to say this is the ideal this is what you should imitate so in absence of that absence of that structure in absence of the these, these these, Christian orders, the order, the order of the British Empire, all these things where you would you award those things, and they've all been co-opted into a sort of uh, it, it, true, it, they have actually been co-opted into a, uh, in a way, a commerciality, because, you know, lots given because of business it's all okay the obe is so often given for people who bring business and capital to a place right rather than a cultural thing like someone that's saving the country whatever Mm -hmm. right like what i'm doing i'll I'll never uh, get anything like that right i'll just be i'll be probably persecuted for it right (laughs) being a traditionalist right Mm -hmm. but but um uh, point is though uh on 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 that subject damn it what you raised so many good things there but there are a lot of people that are saying this this is wrong, right? Well, okay, that means there is a whatever it is that at the least that's the arc. It means it's in our care. It means it's still there underneath. Uh, I think that's in more people than people realise. It's just because they've been possessed. I don't know if those people can be brought back, but it is still part of our being, even if it's disconnected from it. And there's also that thing that uh, Heidegger talked about, which is that that emptiness feel feeling that something's missing that means there is well he talks about the gods having fled mm-hmm. but, but there's a living tradition the living body you can it's, mm-hmm. you can engage with the God but the, that feeling of emptiness is simply that tell it's the, it means it's there in care it means it's it's actually there it's just it's covered the veil's covered and you, you don't have access to it so that's why the poets are doing what they are doing. Ah, oh, they've been possessed but it does mean it's still part of you or else you wouldn't care at all would you you would say mm-hmm. oh this is this is just life you'd be possessed by whatever thing you're doing and you would never you would never come up for you at all if it wasn't still part of your being in some way which means that you know if you want, people want to take hope from that but um what I've taken recently because I don't want to I don't like to be blackpilled but I think it's like, irrelevant it's irrelevant it's irrelevant if there's no saving it because at least there's going to be an arc so you might as well go we'll see what we can do here right we might as well you might as well go and have these conversations and keep building i mean of course I, my project is about doing that but um because i padjo i talked to Padjo, <laughs> and uh you know you you get struck by he's he's like nope nope it's over nope <laughs> it's over mm-hmm. it's collapsing it's the carnival or whatever it's like okay maybe maybe uh, it does look like that. I know, you know, he's he, no one knows everything for sure. Even a great symbolic thinker knows and doesn't know anything for sure. Also, if you think about Heidegger as well as of course, p- people aren't aware of their possibilities. Possibilities stack upon possibilities too. That's what an entrepreneur does once, once something gets started. Um, you know, and even if it is true, what all the things that we're doing, we should always be white pilled because that's the arc then, then it's the bloody arc. You know, because you need to sort of prepare it like the arc anyway, because you're going to come under attack by this thing. Everyone is, so mm-hmm. even if it it's still going to look like an arc, even if it's something that you think you can reinvigorate and you know, uh, 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 not take over the <laughs> take over the country, <laughs> take us over. Right? No, 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 I don't mean it like that. But um, yeah, that's the point really that I'm making is that yeah. even so, is that uh, And I think reengaging with these things what is all this desire to look into these things what is all this people are are searching for their roots people want their roots people want the particularity and I really like I said earlier I really think that's an important part of it our language is rooted in something and the problem with English too is with Americans and and the antipodes and Canadians is that well we post national country what (laughs) the language comes from somewhere And it's a problem that all these internationals use English because they think it's become this international language. No, English is English. It's from England. So if you really want to understand it, it's looking into the roots, into the Anglo-Saxon roots of it. And you Mm -hmm. kind of get a bit of that with Heidegger, because the translators have done his similar work in German and and how they've brought it into English words. See, Being in Time. So they've tried to use similar English words, right? So when and Heidegger breaks things down. So he's okay, that's useful because a lot of these Latin and Greek words that we have in our language, they're harder to understand because they're just representations because we don't know how those Greek words break down to their bits and pieces. Whereas football is football. It's foot and mm-hmm. ball. You know what I mean? In the sense how if mm-hmm. you go to etymology. And so that's why Heidegger's work is so useful. But in an english sense because a lot of those words and you see your mind reprogramming itself when you're reading in time it's mm-hmm. oh, oh yeah 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 and even using the old um i love the compounds he uses like being already you know all the different compounds he uses. people say, oh it's very difficult but is it okay but it's take it's getting it out of the greek words that we don't have mm-hmm. in our language and you have this big compound you say yeah yeah okay openness is the is, is what is disclosed that would have been used different Greek terms, and which are because you don't have the roots. When you get these really mm-hmm. simple compounds, it it really, yeah. And we need to do more of that. I think that uh, people need to look into the etymology of words a lot. Even you so you mentioned Jocko Willing and freedom. Look into the etymology of freedom, the word. is mm-hmm. English. The English sense of freedom is different from liberty. From you know, <laughs> France is a is a romantic language, which means it's more based on Rex. It's more about top down. Our freedom isn't do what you want either. And so their freedom is very ultimate as well. That's why French liberty was so got out of control in the revolution. That, That gave people a sense, in my view, that liberty idea of you do what you want. I think that's very kind of this ultimate Frenchness. And that kind of got into America a bit. Whereas mm-hmm. the English freedom is, is more, you're free to be English. <laughs> if you embody the procedures of the king, the, uh, if you embody, if you imitate and embody the pantheon of England, its enabling constraints allow you to be free. It doesn't mean mm-hmm. you can do what you bloody want. It's within those constraints. My view is that these common law, American law, does not work if you are of these other cultures. They're just too far separating from it, you know. And so people think that you can just bring all these other people with different procedures, different prospectu- perspectives. They have a different sense of what these words are underneath. They have a different, right? And so if you take, they think they can take that away and you can just keep the Westminster system on top of it. Oh, that'll function. No, it'll just collapse as soon as the majority of the people aren't that aren't properly assimilated into Englishness, let's say. That'll just collapse. But you need the thing underneath. You need that, that. Because that's what it is. It's not if you can just do what you want. People get on juries. If you have juries, right, in the jury system, and you're seeing this in America right now, you have, if you have people on the jury system with a different sense of the cultural moral impulsion, like I said, there's a Moses in every cult. There's that that if you have, a, they suddenly go, I'm not going to prosecute this person who I know is guilty. And you see this in some of these cases in america right because mm-hmm. they're possessed by this proposition or they're from a different culture if they have different senses of right and wrong they'll ignore your law or they'll think differently of the terms and that's ultimately back to your original question not question because we're having a conversation but your original uh, dialogue when you're talking about what's underneath america and that's what's underneath and you know it exists because it's falling apart right now because less and less than people are of it are less <laughs> of this fundamental thing and yeah it's i think it needs to be grounded geographically it needs to be grounded historically in terms of thinking about it where you came from understanding that pay pilgrimages that's why people take pilgrimages but and or it will continue or the system does not work without it and if you doubt that look at all these american cases where you have these juries where you've got one juror that just won't prosecute because you need to have the same same or similar sense of what these things ultimately are it needs to be in your car anyway
1: that's my spiel on that. yeah you need something to to bind you there uh and i think uh i really appreciate heidegger's uh i really appreciate etymology and, and going back to the uh the root of, of words right like the word uh, alithea, right it means unconcealedness right so it's a different way to look at the truth the truth is a like a, a truth as correctness right you have a proposition and does the experiment have yeah, a hypothesis does the experiment match the, the hypothesis and if it does that's a truth event that is a quality a flavor of truth but there's also a truth that's disclosed that's unconcealed that's aletheia. that's that's something that was hidden is being revealed and i think uh you, you keep going back to language and i think that's right on right uh, heidegger said that language is the house of being mm. and he said that the problem is with Philosophy and our language as such has become calcified and and it's completely stifled. So he he talks about going to another beginning, right? Is is finding what was it that, you know, inspired the pre-Socratics to think philosophically. Like Mm -hmm. we need to get back to that point because that inspiration that inspired them to think philosophically was systematized into the kind of the the propositional world that we have now mm. but language is where uh, is the house of being right so we need to reinvigorate you know our being through through language right mm. so, so I think etymology is, is extremely important and, and I think it's a you know we're definitely living through through interesting times right now uh and it's a good time to be alive mm. it just is like we we're all going to die right mm. The apocalypse is fractal. Everybody has an apocalypse because everybody will eventually leave this world not knowing if they'll ever see their loved ones again. Everything that they completed, all their projects is gone. Everybody has an apocalypse. So it's at one sense, like if the world is ending, my world's gonna end anyways, mm-hmm. right? So if I'm in, living at a transition point where there is a, a certain particular worldview is ending and another one is emerging, it's exciting to be alive, right? Better develop some psychotechnologies. You better look to you know, the monks and the priests uh, of how to pray and how to get right with the, the fundamental organizing principle, the logos, and then just hold on and surf. You know, there's this the cliche uh, quote: says you can't stop the waves, but you can learn how to surf. Right? It, Learning how to surf is a yeah.
0: And it's you no, know, absolutely right. And also, I think too is that it's a good time to be alive yes it's uh it, there's this struggle in it and there's danger in it but also it's a time churchill has this quote about um is that we're lucky to be in the struggle that we're in during world war Two, is because it gives us a duty to perform it's a, okay it's part of our teleology it's something that you can do and that can apply to anyone i always say this is that it could be a, whatever it is if you're engaging with a, your historical being which is tradition let's say a, or a living tradition it could be it could be brewing of ales it could be anything it could be gardening mm-hmm. whatever it is I think everyone has a destiny i think that's when you're looking into that your possibilities like heidegger talks about is that if you're breaking down the they if you can find the practices that do that uh you can engage with what ultimately is is unique to your unique to your possibilities that have come up from your past that you may not even be aware of um yeah and and yeah
1: yeah it's uh, finding the uh finding the the uniqueness in your universality you know, finding the you know I, I think that's that's right on uh and i think we do have a destiny and we do have uh and we have more tools and more methods of psycho technologies whatever it may be than ever before in the history of the world uh, the, the only thing we can is develop discernment you have to purify your heart whatever that looks like in every language system that you're using whatever religious system it is you have to purify your heart. From the orthodox perspective, it's it's you have to get the passions in check, right? And then in doing so, what is relevant to you starts showing up more brightly. That mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's things that are more relevant, things that are not relevant, that are reciprocally narrowing to your life, they start dying off, right? And then what is relevant and shines forth, right? Mm-hmm. And that's where your destiny is tied to. Your destiny is not some preordained role that you have. Your destiny is something that's pulling you forward from the future right it's like an attractor that is available always but it's our it's the veil it's the it's the addiction it's the 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 pride ultimately going back to the the christian source right pride is ultimately what uh puffs you up and keeps you from discerning the path forward but there is a path forward there is the truth there is the logos Mm. and it's constantly shining um you know and
0: nothing's been decided either because this is what I, again I love about Heidegger. Is it getting underneath it all? Is it all this the correctness, the calculating correctness that oh, this matches this and this matches this? Was, that all began originally from that very first? It all comes from being originally, or mm-hmm. b e y i n g raw mm-hmm. being. I call I call it raw being, which is sort of looking at being when you don't have, or maybe maybe you can tell me what you think of this, like what what b e y i n g being or being raw being is is seeing being approaching being without any of your known without any of your B E I N G, as in all the things that because this is the thing that makes us think everything's been decided this idea mm-hmm. that oh everything's known everything science has decided everything already which is bullshit Which is bullshit, because it's never been a theory of ultimate truth. It's been a best decided one, even if you believe that, ultimately, underneath Mm -hmm. it all. Because when you look deeply down, if you're a materialist, don't be so... You you should not be. Because if you look to the depth of quantum mechanics, they don't know anything. They don't Mm -hmm. know anything, right? It's the abyss. It's the abyss of like the observer having effects on things, but even not even the woo theories. People go, there's a reason why the, science, the quantum scientists say, oh, just trust the calculators, just ignore that down there, because that would undermine their authority, <laughs> right? And it's not all of them either, of course. And I'm talking about uh, one interpretation quantum Bayesianism, uh, but I won't go into the detail of it, but just look into it. If you're a materialist, you look all the way down to the bottom and look at all the different interpretations of quantum mechanics, not even the woo ones. Look into it and and you get a sense of th- this is so undecided that what all this leads to the idea that it's deterministic and material is just you know especially when how how comp- and the conflict is large over that what these interpretations are i th- really think it's absolutely absurd when you look at the world that we have oh that you would choose many worlds that every quantum event is another split off and there's, there's an infinite amount of universes <laughs>
1: yeah and that's uh and they make fun of uh you know people that have faith when that is your interpretation i think at bottom you know um it's shown that there's no structure there like you you it's a category mistake because we're searching for ultimate truth of what it means to be to be a human being to be uh, in relation with others we're searching for that in particle physics but what happens we we take that particle down there's an atom there's subatomic particles all right we're going to finally find these billiard balls oh there's not there's nothing there. There's energy, waves, there's fluctuations in the in a vacuum and whatnot. That's not a bad thing. You're just, your gaze is oriented. You're mixing the category of ultimate truth and truth in a particular truth. And in doing so, you know, you're, you're going to be left with, it's like, I, I made this analogy. It's like watching the movie Braveheart or whatever great movie it is. And it touches your heart, right? Mm-hmm. And you cry and people that are, you're watching with the movie is crying with you, right? After the movie's done, you say, guys, I want to figure out what touched me in that movie. So what do you do? You break down the the TV. You break to its components, parts, right? You look at all the you know, the chips. But you're not going to find why you started crying during that movie by looking at the physical properties that are in the screen. You're also not going to find what what pulled you in, and what touched you in that movie by looking at the brain, looking at areas that lit up in the brain and going down as deep as you can. I had the corpus callosum was uh, lit up here. And. So, so you're telling me that the origin of that emotion that I felt is found in those lights in my brain, those mm-hmm. those neurons firing, or it's found in the television, the components firing. Mm-hmm. It's a, that's there and it's important, but you know, that needs to be you know oriented in the hierarchy appropriately because there's a lot more. And I, I look as uh, as Christianity is a social like a social uh, particle physics, like whatever particle physics is to the physical world. I think the ancient christian ethic is to the social world it tells you the components of how to develop a relationship with each other and, and through the world and it can't be done just with us in our limited capacity you have to invest you have to have this organizing principle this mystery to inform you or it always leads to kind of the, the disintegration but um i think we we should pick this up again i got yeah, the kids are about yeah. to barge in here no, no um yeah, I really enjoyed it. This, we oh, to, there's so two much hours. more to talk about, dude. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, Let's do it again. Surface.
0: And we I mean, we only talk for the first time, right? And I want to delve yeah, yeah. deeply into because I've read a lot of Heidegger, so I'd love to delve deeper deeper into that, into into Heraclitus as well, founding of being, mm-hmm. and also you know, po- how poetry works and his talk about the gods and how that yeah but i'll just finish then, it I'll just, yeah oh sorry i was just gonna make i was this gonna quiet. say like go. the logos
1: right like I, I did a quickly i did a, um and if my kids barge in here uh it's fine. It's sorry fine. about that i don't worry. I see my dogs get a little uh excited here like the word logos so i can go back to this greek etymology or going to the roots i did a review of uh, the first few verses the six verses of john the, the book of john uh um have, have, have you seen it by chance
0: i know the book of john yeah Yeah,
1: so you just look at the first line, in the beginning was the word, right? Mm -hmm. From an an English perspective or from our language, from from this perspective, in the beginning was the word. What do you mean? There was a single word, a couple syllables, letters stringed together, and that's what I'm supposed to be profoundly touched is that in the beginning was a word. What is it, a sound wave? Like, what do you mean? In Greek, it's tonologos, right? Inarchi means in the beginning, but arch, archi, means both space and time. Right. So it's in the beginning of time, but also at the arch, the head of the arch. So in the beginning of time and space was the word, no, the logos. Mm. So in the beginning of time and at the apex of space, we have the logos. What is the logos? Mm. It's not a word, Mm. right? It's the fundamental organizing principle Mm. of reality and it's cosmic and it's mysterious, Mm. but it gives order to your world. It's the reason I can see you right now. It's the reason you Mm. can love your kids. It's the reason you can categorize the world that you see it's the reason you can name the animals animals its the reason you have an identity that you care about it's that's where the, i think the root is and maybe next time we can pick up there with the logos in, in heidegger something like that
0: yeah i think the uh, yeah because drawing that out too is it that it's the primordial logos behind it it's it's the, the, mm-hmm. the speak the speaking gathering of the the opening of first time because you're in the open oh, anyway <laughs> we should go, yeah. into, go into it but there's a logos behind the logos that is the word there's a lo- There's there's the thing that's first, mm-hmm. which is the primordial seeing, uh, but also of course the organising principle. But that's people think yeah. word or what the word. It helps oh, it you understand sense, phenomenology, yeah. pheno- phenomenology as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, thinking about that, and that's where you, when you get deep into that, you think, oh, wh- wow, it's beneath also all our knowledge. The openness mm-hmm. came first, and so thinking that, oh, we know so much about the world, really really do we but on that note <laughs> thanks james i didn't really get to introduce you but i will say now that to, to, james is a great uh i think i would call you an emerging orthodox thinker. i think you're a you know you're a, you're an emerging philosopher i would call you mm-hmm. a uh, yeah, great I orthodox that. thinker that uh, is growing yeah. audience is growing um and uh, it's been great to talk to you man um yeah. and so he has a channel it'll be in the description that you can check out Uh, If it goes on his, I'm sure he'll put mine in the description as well. But we'll talk again, Mm -hmm. man. This is great. We'll have another conversation, but